Hear from the word found in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 29 and 31. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is the word of the Lord. you on this uh, beautiful and uh, kind of warm, pretty warm, uh, October uh, morning. Uh, my name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here at Lord's Love. And as you see, we're starting a new series here at Lord's Love called The Heart of the Church. And we're going to spend the rest of October and the first half of November uh, talking about that, the heart of the church. Um, and as you know, uh, October and bits of, uh, and we're extending it this, this year into November is Missions Month here at Lord's Love. And we often focus on, uh, like, uh, or, or what does it mean to be the hands and feet of, of Jesus? And we, we focus on different missionary organizations that uh, we support and we bring them to the forefront. And we're going to try and do that uh, still uh, this coming month. But we kind of have a different angle uh, this coming October as we talk about uh, missions. And it's really the angle of what does it mean to be the church, which, lead, which leads us into living a life uh, into missions. I'm not sure if you know this, uh, if you go onto our website, you would have seen this uh, before, that our vision as a church, as a congregation, is for all to receive and to live out the love of Christ. Uh, for certain words are very key there, for all, that as a church, it's a place for all nations, for all cultures of all ethnicities, it's a place where, the king, uh, where, where God invites people into the kingdom of God and to get a taste of uh, the kingdom, and that's our prayer here at Lord's Love, and it's for them to receive, to experience, to know the love of God, but also for us as we experience, as we know, and as we uh, come to learn of the love of God, that we go out and we'll live it out as well. And you might have also seen this, that our values are actually a way of us living out the mission that we have here at Lord's Love. Uh, so four values of love God, uh, connect with community, of reach, reaching out, and of building the church. Uh, that's the language we love to use, building, uh, as we participate and we join in together. Uh, that these four values of love, connect, reach, and build. Yes, it's a discipleship pathway. Uh, it's a way of us becoming disciples of Jesus. But it's a way, again, of us living out the mission that God has for us here at Lord's Love. That if we're growing in these four ways, in our love for God, in our way of connecting with each other, of our ways of reaching out into the community and into the context that God has called us here, uh, and if we're building, uh, participating with the gifts that God has given us, that we become disciples of Jesus, uh, that we, we become people that live out a life that is on mission uh, for him. And often as I think about mission, I think about our missions uh, department uh, that we have here at Lord's Love. I'm not sure if you can see that at all. Uh, if you have any questions, talk to Stanley Ng. He's our missions department head, and he'll answer every question. 
Uh, he told me this. No, he didn't tell me this. He'll answer every question. He'll have an answer for every question that, that you have. But these are some of the mission, our mission involvements around the world. Uh, there's five missionaries and pastors that we support. Uh, you can see the names uh, there. There's five local mission organizations that we're currently supporting as well. And there's also seven overseas mission or work organizations that we support, such as Open Doors Canada, EduPavi, OMF, uh, Go International, CIM Canada. Uh, and you, you can find more information about this um, uh, as you talk to uh, Stanley and also some of the brochures that we have around uh, the church. But when I think about missions, that's often what we think about, right? Uh, we think about the work that we do as we go out from the church. And yes, that is definitely a part of it. Because as I highlight uh, some of the work that we do at CIM Canada that we partner with, uh, we support these two pastors. On the right side, there's Pastor Mark Toma. And on the left side, in the green shirt, uh, that's Pastor Abraham Labure. And they're pastors, church planters in uh, central Ghana that we go and visit uh, every year before the pandemic. We're trying to send another team next year. But this was them uh, in a very practical way. We're like, hey, how can we support you uh, in your missions work uh, as you serve the people there? And they're like, Every day I walk for hours and I ride a bicycle to visit people in the vill villages. Uh, and it takes a long time. And they didn't really bring this up. I'm like, well, how can we kind of help you in that? They're like, I don't know if we could ask this, but a motorcycle would be really nice. Uh, and we're like, okay, as a church, we're going to pray about it. We're going to see what we can do. And we worked with CIM Canada and they got motorcycles each. Uh, that literally, the motorcycles are powering them to go into the villages and these rural, really destitute areas of Ghana to share and to propel the gospel. And Lord's love, we have a part in that as we send uh, these resources out. So we think of Pastor Mark and Pastor Abraham as continue to serve with them. Or we also think of the Yeji ECG uh, Village School, uh, which is another part of central Ghana. It's a school connected to ECG, the Evangelical Church of Ghana. Now this year, because we couldn't send a team, Instead of the resources that we sent to send the team, we sent the resources instead. Uh, and and, and, it, and this kind of um, uh, uh, helped us to change some of our thoughts and our paradigms. Yes, we are needing to send people. And this year, the door didn't seem to be open for us. But we were praying, hey, it's not right for us to keep and to hoard, but it's for us to send out. So instead, we supported nine uh, school teachers and their salary for this year. And th these are some of the students uh, and some of the teachers uh, in the orange uh, that we are partnering with and connecting with. Uh, they're building a new school, as you see in the picture in the middle there. And we love this uh, because most of the time, uh, and this is part of the culture, they have schools and their classes outside underneath mango trees, like on the left side here, uh, where these students, the elementary and throughout high, to high school students, get to learn. And education is an important part of changing a life, especially in that area of anywhere in the world, but especially in that area of the world. So often when we think about missions work, we think about this, and definitely that is true. That is our role and our responsibility of the church to go out beyond the four walls here and to partner, but we often forget about what's literally right outside of our four walls. Uh, we think about our hometown here in Vancouver and what it means to live life on mission. What does it mean to reach out, to love our neighbor, and to love those around us? I read this stat this week, and I didn't um, do a deep dive, but it seems to be correct. Uh, it was coming out of a research organization in, in the U.S., and they, they mentioned how in the churches, 98% of people have never gone on a short-term missions trip. Uh, some astounding stat like that. 98% of the church has never uh, gone on an overseas short-term missions trip. And where many of us stay within our local context and we serve 
in that way, hopefully. And I'm hoping here that as we talk about the values, which today is about loving God, it's about worshiping the Lord, it's about loving him with everything that we got, that that will lead us into a life that is on missions, no matter where it is that God will call you into. Because missions is not only about external activities, but really it's an extension and an overflow of who we are. Right? Who we are as believers and what we believe internally. So as the value of loving God, I'm hoping to, uh, well, I will be preaching on that uh, today. And as we worship God, uh, that it will lead us into a life on missions, into loving him in the specific context that he calls us to. And I like this uh, uh, quote from John Piper in his book, uh, Let, Let the Nations Be Glad. He says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not mis- uh, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, and we just came out of a series of, on revelations, so we have an image of that, uh, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. And it's with that kind of thinking, I want to prime us into to, 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 um, to think about missions as a way of being, of not just doing, because often we think of missions as, as doing, 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 doing. And yes, there's an activity part of it, but the heart of missions, it's actually worship. So the big idea out of this text today is that the ultimate goal of the church, of us as the church, us of, as Lord's love, is to worship. It's to worship God, to worship Him rightly. Uh, last week, my wife, Jess, she works as an ICU, uh, ICU nurse, and she had a night shift. Uh, so that morning, that meant that I was on daddy duty. Uh, I was the one that woke up a little bit earlier. Uh, to uh, I was on, uh, on, on diapers, taking care of the kids uh, on breakfast. Uh, I can't say they ate the most healthy, but they ate uh, something that morning. And I remember waking up, and my first mistake was not turning on the lights because our our year, a year and a half old son was crying, and I brought him out of the crib. I'm like, oh, something smells really bad. So we need to change his diaper. I was changing him. I'm like, this is a bad one. This is a bad one. And middle of that, he starts crying some more, and I notice it gets, starts getting really wet everywhere. Uh, so my one mistake uh, was not covering him up, and he started peeing everywhere. I was like, oh, man. And I turned the lights. I'm like, this is bad. This is going everywhere. So for some reason, I cleaned him up the best I can, and I put him down on the floor uh, without diapers on. And then next thing, he starts crying again. And next thing I know, my son is naked, running around, peeing everywhere, all over, just crying, like, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) And just kind of peeing all across the room. And in that moment of chaos, and I can call it chaos, because it really was, uh, in that moment, I, I was like, this is my act of worship. I had this thought. I don't know, this really strange thought in my mind. In this moment, as I'm taking care of our toddler, in the chaos of everything being flung everywhere, I was like, this is my act of worship. That this is my, and that was a Sunday morning before church, uh, before everything that we're quote unquote doing here. I was like, this is my spiritual act of worship right here, right now. See, all of life is really about worship, everything that we do. The way that we study, the way that we work, the way that we think about our finances, the way that we speak to our friends, the way that we handle conflict, the way that we go about in our everyday, the way that we drive, 
uh, the way that we go in and out of the city. All of life is really about worship. Everything is about worship. And that's what Jesus talks about uh, this morning in the passage. In Mark 12, uh, 28, uh, Jesus, uh, the, the scripture says, says this in Mark uh, chapter 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asks him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? See, Jesus was really asked here in this moment, what ought to take priority in this teacher of the law, the scribe, uh, as some commentaries write and note, uh, what should be the most important? What should take priority in someone's life? And it makes sense. Uh, it makes sense that they would ask this question. In fact, Jesus wasn't the only one that was asked of this question. A every rabbi was asked of this question from their followers and from their disciples. Like, which one of the laws is most important? Why? Because in the Torah, there's 613 laws, and that's a lot. 613 laws, 365 of them are in the negative. Don't do this. And then the rest, 268, are in the positive to do this. So the question here isn't so much of which law takes priority, but really what takes priority above everything. That's the way that the Greek goes in the grammar. That's the real question here. It's not which law is really above all the other laws, but what takes priority over all of this. I'm not sure what you're thinking about uh, and what's going on in your mind, but I think it's important for us to think about this question. Uh, it's important for us to think about uh, what we think about God. Because when I mention God and, and what, what image come in, comes into your mind, who is Jesus to you? When I mention the Holy Spirit, what comes into your mind? Like the Trinity, like you're like, oh, maybe that's a really complicated uh, concept in your mind. But when I mention God, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? And it's important. Because here the scribe is really asking in his faith, in a way that he wants to live out his faith for God. He's like, how should I think about this? What ought to take priority? And I enjoy this uh, quote from Tozer, which is famous, and maybe you've heard of it before. That quote that often we, we quote uh, is this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us, as Tozer writes in, in his book. But he goes on to explain a little bit more. The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. A man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. I think I have more on the next slide. Yes. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he or she in his deep heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Always, the most revealing thing about the church is her idea of God. So here, Jesus is wrestling with this question with this scribe. And here, maybe today, in 2023, as a church in Vancouver, we're wrestling with this idea as well. Who is God? Who is God? What images come to, to mind? And Jesus answered as wisely as he always does with, with the Shema, which 
it means is a literal translation of to hear, of the first couple words of, of, the, of the verse here. So Matthew 12, 29 and 31, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 5, the Shema, to hear. And he, he says this, the most important one, the ones that should take priority above all things in your mind and in your heart, the most important one, answer Jesus, is this, hear, Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Greater than these. And Jesus, he quotes from the Shema, which is fascinating because we're a little bit removed uh, from that uh, today. But last week, our worship leader, Emily, she read the Apostles' Creed. So the Shema would have been something attributed to that. It's something as concrete, as solid as the Apostles' Creed. Or as we're studying in, uh, we finished the last uh, uh, part of the series this morning in community learning, but it's like the Lord's Prayer, right? Something as, 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 um, um, as important, as foundational as that is, is the Shema is to the people of Israel. And he says this, that the priority above all things is, all things is to love God. Above all things, is to love God, is to, to worship God. And I mentioned different ways before. I was saying in my act of diaper cleaning and the chaos in the room, that was my act of worship. That worship doesn't begin when we walk into the sanctuary here and we do, quote unquote, this thing called worship. But worship is all of life. Everything that we do, uh, all aspects of life. How we handle the mountaintop moments, but also how we handle the low moments. How we know in those moments that God is with us through it all, that he is for us, he is with us, and that he loves us. And as a response, we love, and we come to experience his love, and we worship God for who he is, for his great love for you. That before you even knew him, before you were even born, he knew of you, he knows you, he knows your name, the hairs on your head, and he says, you're a love daughter, you're a love son. You're so known and cherished by me. Come home, come back into uh, my house by my side and, and to live and to have this relationship with me. And this love, it changes everything. And Jesus says this love ought to take priority in our lives every single day. This love that we, uh, we experience from God and this love that we have for God ought to be at the forefront of, of everything. And I believe this to be true when we love God. Everything about us leans in that way. When we love God, everything about, it, about us leans in that way. And I'll bring back this passage uh, again in, in 30. And as some commentators uh, note that the word with, so love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, can also be translated maybe more accurately as from. Because often we think, oh, when we think of loving God with our mind, I'm using my mind to love God, and that's definitely it. Uh, right? We talk about midterm season for you students, loving the Lord your God with all your mind. Yes. Right? Now study all out, go all out, and, and love God with that. We think about loving God uh, uh, with our souls from the inner beings of our, of our hearts. We think of loving God uh, with, our, uh, with, with, uh, with our strength as well uh, from, from everything that we do. But maybe another way of translating it is this, love the Lord your God from so from those places, you're loving God. From your heart, 
from your soul, from your mind, and from your strength, out of all aspects that you are made out of, you are loving God, in that every essence of your being, you're pouring out as an overflow of this extension, an experience of the love of God, and you go out and you love God in that way. So we love God from all those aspects of our lives, and that ought to change the way that we're students and that we work, uh, the way that we parent and the way in our family, uh, that we interact with our family, the way, the time that we spend in our retirement and the time, uh, how, we, uh, how we spend our time any time uh, of the day, that we think about life as worship and as loving God, as attributing worth to God. As, if we think about life in that way, then we will be living rightly. That no matter what we do, that if we're attributing worth to God, that's the reason why we're doing it, He's the one that we're doing it for. If God is the object of our worship, then we, we church, we, Lord's Love Church in Vancouver, will be living and doing something right. And I want to argue with you uh, this morning that I actually don't need to convince you to be a good worshiper. I don't need to convince you to be a good worshiper. Why? Because all of us actually worship something already. I don't need to tell you what it looks like to worship. And to love something, to place it in the top of our, of, of our hearts and our minds. Whether, and some of us know this. Whether it's ourselves that we place on top. Whether it's our sports teams. Whether it's our bank accounts. Whether it's our education. Whether it's our status. I actually don't need to convince you to worship. Because as human beings, we are worshiping beings. Already. No matter what it, it is. But that's the question this morning as we talk about worship. Is what is it that we worship? And I have this deep cry, church, that Lord's love, that deepest cry in my heart, that our object of worship would be God alone. That he would be the sole being that we worship, that all, everything on, on earth would be left to the side because nothing compares to God himself. And that we're reminded of that every single time we come to the word, every time we join together in community, we talked about that this morning in community learning. What are the strongholds or certain thoughts in our mind, in our hearts that we struggle with in the city uh, that allows us to worship something else, be it status, uh, be it education, be it finances, be it whatever, that we worship other things other than God. And that's the fight of our time here is to continue to worship God, to place him Rightly, because at the end of the day, as we've been reading through Revelations, whether we worship God or not, everything will, and all creation will worship him one day. It's whether we choose and, and whether we are part of that story or not, whether we join him in what God is doing and joining God in what he's doing here in Vancouver and in our lives. N.C. Wright says this in Mark for everyone. The Jewish law begins with worship with the love of God, because if it's true that we're made in God's image, we will find our fullest meaning, meaning, our true selves, the more we learn to love and worship the one we are designed to reflect. No half measures, heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is every aspect of human life, is to be poured out gladly in worship of the one true God. Whatever we do, we are to do for him. If we truly live like that for a single day, God's kingdom would have come on earth as it is in heaven. And this is the point. Jesus seems to think that through his kingdom work, this commandment is now within our reach. 
that as we learn to love the Lord our God with all our mind, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, that we actually become our truest selves. We get to discover who we are. We get to align ourselves to experience Christ all the more in the every single day. We find our fullest expression and meaning when we come to love God and be known by God and to be loved by him. That is to say, when we worship, when we make our whole being, our whole selves available to God's leading, this leads us to a truer sense of living. When we worship, when we acknowledge and lift up God and place him where he is meant to be, in your struggle, in your joys, in whatever it is, in those moments, we can still find the greatest expression of joy and love and hope. We make our whole being, our whole selves we become available to what God has for us. That even in the deepest and darkest moments in your life, you can find the purest joy. You can find the treasure that is made out of gold, even in those moments. And no wonder, and I didn't get a chance to preach through the rest of this, but in verse 31, he does say this, Jesus does say this, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than, than these. And maybe often as a church, we, we, we focus our missions month to go and to love people, and that is true. But I want to argue this morning that our first love ought to be God. Right? We, as, we, as we place our love rightly, everything else will flow from that. As James K. Smith writes, and you are what you love, you are what you love. <laughs> what you love most, that is who you become. So as we love God as a church, as you worship Him, best and we place him rightly in our lives, this godly kind of love, this godly kind of love, it moves people towards God as well. As we go and we, we share the love of God and we, we, we express to people what God has done for us and who he is to us and who God is in general, that people will move a little bit closer to Jesus. And that's what godly love does. It moves people towards God, not towards any other object in life, but towards God, because God is worth it, and he is the sole fulfillment of our joy and of our love. So again, this morning, I don't need to convince you of whether or not you should worship, because we all worship something. But I'm praying that Jesus would be the object of our worship as we go forward, that he would be the one that we worship and that we lift up. So what? Uh, like, here's another guy, another preacher, pastor is telling us to worship and, and to love God. There's, there's, there's so many application points from this if Jesus is the object of our worship. And maybe today I'm not going to tell you what to do, but maybe a bunch of reflection questions, which I ought to have put up there, but I didn't. So you're going to have to listen a little bit more clear, carefully. The first question is simply this. What do you worship? And maybe you got to do a deep dive this week. And because simply for us, and maybe for some of us that's been in the church for a very long time, our automatic answer is Jesus. But this week, to do a deep dive and to really ask ourselves this question, what do we worship? What is it that we worship? And secondly, this week, how can you grow in your love for God? Because often we think of it maybe in a passive way, we experience God's love. But in what way this week, how can you grow in your love for God? And I've been such 
a, a beneficiary of the course uh, on prayer that w- that's been happening. Uh, that as I spend some of the earlier mornings in just a, a short moment of quiet and in prayer, it's really growing my love for Jesus all the more to see his grace, to see his goodness, to be reminded of what he is doing, how he is already at work in the different places in my life. So how can you grow in your love uh, for God? Whether it's through prayer, whether it's through the word, whether it's through community. And thirdly, how can you keep your heart soft and pliable? Mm. I think that's one of the greatest struggles for us, that our hearts grow, grow hard and calloused, and that we don't hear the word, we don't experience Jesus, that we kind of cover ourselves up. But how can we keep our hearts soft and pliable? It was a couple, uh, our Pastor Howard, who was chairing today, he shared about how the Ukrainian pastors were sharing about their uh, work in Ukraine amidst a time of turmoil, uh, mercy in the midst of turmoil, that's how they, how they phrased it. And I was thinking that during that time of war, that they increased their worship services because of the refugees that were coming through their, their church, that every single day they had a church similar to our size, they were removing their pews twice a day out into the field, I'm not sure where they're removing it, so that people can sleep and rest. And then when worship was going on, the worship service was going on, they were moved the pews back in. I was like, wow. Not only the dedication, but that heart and that love that they have. And as I was hearing that, why I keep going and, and, and hearing, yes, it is to learn. And maybe some of you are like, I've learned everything I need to learn. But why I keep going and hearing and attending and spending time with people is to keep my heart soft. It's to be convicted that I myself need to hear and to know because my life has become callous or maybe I've become numb or maybe I've become distracted by all the things that's going on in my life. But I need to hear that God is still good, still working, still moving. That he is God alone before time began, as we've been singing. He is good through it all. That we need to keep our hearts soft and pliable. How can you do that? And lastly, maybe these are all connected. How can you keep growing spiritually? How can you keep staying, how can you keep staying thirsty for the word and for the Lord to experience more of Jesus in your every single day? And I'm saying this not as a person here that has everything perfected, because I don't. Every word that I preach, really, I preach it first to myself, and I'm convicted by this. I'm like, man, these four things, what do I worship? How can I grow my love for God? How can I keep my heart soft and pliable? How can I keep growing spiritually? Those are questions I'm asking myself, and maybe we can, as a church, wrestle through these together and walk alongside each other. All the more in the same direction towards the cross, towards Jesus. May Jesus be the object of our worship. Because when we worship Jesus, we come to learn what life is all about. We come to experience the truest purpose, our truest purpose, and we come to learn of our identity. The ultimate goal of the church is to worship. And as we worship, we live a life on missions as we follow faithfully. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, God, 
that you allow us to be in relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross, for your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us so that we can have this new life in you. And Jesus, for those of us, maybe this morning, we're struggling. We're struggling to know you, to experience you. Father, I pray not that you would be beside us because you're around us all the time, but you give us eyes to see, you give us ears to hear, you give us hearts to comprehend you and to see what you're doing, God. And maybe this morning, Lord, we need to, to hear that we are loved. So Father, may we experience your love today and to know of the deep riches of the love from the love of God. But maybe, Father, this morning you're convicting us of our idols, idols, things that we lift above you. As we think about the question of what do we worship, God, maybe you're convicting us. So this week, God, may you help us to let go of those, of those idols, whatever they may be, and to refocus our hearts and our minds and fix our gaze upon the cross, upon Jesus. I thank you at the church you choose to use us. May you use Lord's love and all of us here for your glory and for your fame, starting here with our own lives and to the very ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.